This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hello everyone and welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. My name's Mary and I'm a Research and Development Officer. Today we're going to be exploring innovative and specialised housing options for later life, building upon our recent evidence review, Aging Well, Housing Options and Alternative Modes of Living in Later Life, which can be found on our website. So most older people in the UK live in mainstream, single household housing, but there is both room and a real need for more innovative, specialised housing options that really meet the diverse needs, preferences and aspirations of people as they age. So in this podcast, we're going to be bringing to life some of the recent developments in alternative specialised housing. And I'm really excited that today we're going to be speaking to Hadi and Hilary, members of OUCH, or Older Women's Co-Housing, about their experiences of living at New Ground Co-Housing in High Barnet, London, which is a development of 25 self-contained flats with shared communal facilities and gardens, and which is the first senior co-housing community in the UK. So Hilary previously worked as a theatre designer and spent the last 28 years of her career running the scene painting department at the National Theatre. She teaches scene painting at a college several times a year, but is currently working in her studio, developing her own artwork. She is 70 years old and has one relative, her brother, and joined Ouch about 19 years ago. Hadi is nearly 92 years old and has lived in New Ground since its beginning in December 2016. She previously worked as a social worker and an author editor of social work books, which she is in fact still editing, I believe. Hadi has two daughters, three grandchildren, and is expecting a great-grandchild in the autumn. Hadi joined Ouch 10 years ago when she was left on her own and searching for an alternative way to live independently without being lonely. So welcome, and how are you both today? Hi, thank you. Sun is shining. Brilliant. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, So I guess if you just want to start by telling us a little bit about Ouch or Older Women's Co-Housing. Uh, was set up by a couple of women who uh, went to a talk by Maria Brenton about co-housing. Maria had been to Denmark and uh, seen co-housing there, which was fairly common. And um, Shirley and her friend Madeline decided that's where what they wanted to do for their old age. They wanted to live uh, in a group of with a group of people in a village-like atmosphere and um, support each other as they aged. I think Shirley was in her early 60s at that point, and she thought it would take about two years. Um, it took 19 years uh, for, <laughs> for it to happen. Um, there were a lot of obstacles, <laughs> not least of which, how do you raise the money to actually build uh, such a, a community as ours? So we focused on actually building the community before we had a physical building, which I think was a very good way round doing it. And um, Heidi will talk to you about that. But when it came to the bricks and mortar, uh, we couldn't get a bank loan against our properties. We also wanted to have um, a proportion of tenanted flats so that um, people who didn't own could actually live with with us and live in, you know, a, a good way 
for aging rather than it just being people who could afford to buy a property. So that held us up too, because that involved all sorts of, of government bodies and councils and and it it took a long while to to actually find any way of actually getting a site and, and building a building. We had several sites during the years, often unsuitable ones uh, for aging, um, down near the canal with a long walk to shops. We we had certain things that we wanted. We wanted to live in London. We wanted to be able to access all the things that we like about uh, London, theatres, museums, you know, restaurants, friends. We wanted to be near a tube. We wanted to be within walking distance of shops because as you get older, you do need these, these things. We needed, you know, not to be too far from doctor's surgeries. So that meant it limited the sites and London is very hard because there there are there aren't that many sites anyway and not necessarily suitable sites the closest we came i think while i was without was a site in wembley where we were part of a bigger scheme a commercial venture and the planning office deemed that it, the density of housing was too great so of course we were dropped and in that one we would have lived in a sort of tower block so actually, I'm quite pleased, although Wembley was probably a little more accessible to London than we are here, um, we ended up with a much better site um, because we're a bit further out in High Barnet. The whole time we were trying to get a site and building our community, we were supported by Housing for Women but they didn't have the resources to build for us. So we needed to get someone else on board. And in the end, Hanover Housing Association came up trumps and they found several sites for us. And this one in High Barnet, which was uh, an old school uh, site, there wasn't a big school building. It was um, a series of small buildings and some quite temporary ones. And they found that for us and we, we agreed that it would be a good site. So we have ended up with a decent sized garden and flats looking over the garden, which is really lovely and probably a bit better than a tower block um, to live in. Oh, we got a, 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 big, a big grant from Tudor Trust to build the, um, the tenanted flats which helped enormously. I mean, Tudor Trust were with us from the beginning as well, and they really supported us. And they were marvellous, actually. They, they really believed in it and, um, and, and encouraged us. No, that's yeah. very important. Um, because a vast amount of money is in play, uh, much more than we thought at the beginning, uh, that solicitors' fees... Um, everything costs more than you think it's going to cost at the beginning. So I think it was very important that um, donation, as it were, mm. uh, we've treasured, you know, the fact that that was there. But what was being done all the time that all this was going on, and it, it was an enormous amount of work for a very few people, we were trying to build a community. 
uh, because we wanted to move in as a community. Uh, we didn't want it just to be ad hoc, you know, a random sort of selection of people. So we met monthly, the second Saturday of every month, and we slowly and over the years built a, a viable community. And by that, I mean that during that time, Maria Brenton, who stayed with us all the time as a kind of consultant and um, progress chaser, and she, she was behind everything. Um, but, you know, all that time, during that time, during that 19 years, Maria once said that she'd vaguely counted the number of women who'd come and gone, and that's 200. Wow. So that's an enormous amount of women who who came and saw and then decided, you know, maybe not for them because co-housing isn't for everybody. It's It makes demands as well as gives an enormous amount. Um, it demands that you contribute and that you contribute what you can contribute. I mean, we have people living here with disabilities who clearly are very limited in what they can contribute, but they do actually contribute enormously in just being here, in the way they behave, in the way they help other people by talking to them. You know, there are lots of ways to contribute, um, but you want, you need to want to do that. That's very important. Um, it's not just a lovely place to live where there are friends for coffee and, you know, where you're never alone. You also contribute. And, you know, that's the essence. You give and you take. Um, and we, ha we have a saying that we, we don't look after each other. We look out for each other. So that, I mean, for instance, Hillary is my neighbor. Uh, I have a window that goes out into a common corridor. And if my blind isn't up, by certainly by midday, there'll be a little phone call or a <laughs> knock at the door or something just to say, are you okay? You know, nothing intrusive. It's never intrusive. It's just, are you all right? So th there's no way, for instance, that one of us could be ill or something happen without other people knowing and doing something about it. Um, but apart from that, uh, if I want to work all day, uh, close my door, nobody will interrupt me. Nobody will bother me uh, unless I want them to. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of being on your own, independent, because we're all very independently minded women here. On our own, but not isolated, never lonely. And there's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to think that no one here is lonely. So that's the community. And we build the community. Even now, we have a, a pool of non-resident members who've been through the whole process of becoming members, but there's nowhere for them to move into. But they're part of our group. They come to events, they come to meetings, um, we meet them outside. They are full ouch members, but they don't live here. Uh, so we, we are constantly 
building and wanting younger women to come and join us because, um, you know, the age balance we have to keep right and the diversity balance. So women from all ethnic backgrounds, from all professional, non-professional, we want skills. We'd like a plumber to move in, please. (laughs) (laughs) Over to you, Hilary, (laughs) for the building. Yeah, there's quite a lot of maintenance of a large building. <laughs> yeah, and we do we do have some problems with with boilers and underfloor heating and dripping taps and um, these valves that they put on baths so you can't have a hot bath um, because we're so old and decrepit that we'd burn ourselves and. Um, <laughs> Those sorts of yes. those sorts of problems. <laughs> I just had to pay a hundred pounds yeah. to finally have the valve taken off my bath water, which was put in when I we moved in, so that you know I wouldn't burn myself. And I'm one of the few people with a bath, and I want a hot bath. All our flats are wheelchair accessible. I mean, there'd be difficulties maybe going over a bumpy lawn, but all the paths. Um, even in the kitchen garden where we grow vegetables, we have raised beds that are, you can get round with a wheelchair. So um, our bathrooms are wet rooms, basically. And even the ones with baths in are actually wet rooms, so the bath could be taken out and it could be a shower put in. We are very much geared up to making life easy as we get older. I mean, I, I had my knee replaced and actually it was very useful having a quite a large bathroom to get around in. And, you know, I was in a wheelchair for a couple of days. So um, that's the first thing I did. We have a, a wheelchair in a buggy store that you can use. Brilliant communal wheelchair. Yeah, communal wheelchair, wheelchair. yes. yes. <laughs> that's the other thing. Yes, we do have communal stuff that's, you know, um, one person had their hip replaced, so we have the ha- the um, thing that you put over the toilet where you can push to, uh, with your arms to raise yourself up. Mind you, I'm making us feel very old, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we ought to say at this point, while we're talking about our health, that although this is called a, a, a project for, yeah. older, for older women, yeah. um, in the five years we've been here, we have not made one referral to social care. And when you sent us the kind of um, uh, template for this podcast Mm -hmm. and you kept asking what's the relation with social care and how did we find social care? We have to say, don't know, because we've not not done it, you know. Uh, We we have maintained our own health um, and we have been made less uh, demands on the local council than um, we would have done if we'd each been in our own flat somewhere. Yes. Yeah, it was one of the things that Barnet Council said to us when um, we got the site here was, oh, um, you'll need social services, go and see social services. And we said, no, no, we won't. And we went to social services um, because we had to, because Barnet Council wouldn't give us a planning permission. Um, and they said, well, yes, actually, we can see you won't need us, so, so oh. go ahead. So we got planning permission. But it was one of their big concerns, actually, the council was, that we would um, drain their resources, which they, you know, they don't have. So, um, you know, and even people coming out of hospital get cared for by us. So they need a lot less help 
um, you know, so it, 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 it is a good way to live because you're being helped by your friends as well, mm-hmm. rather than by people you don't know. Yeah, and, and that kind of sense of community, um, you know, really comes through. I remember you saying last time we spoke that that was more important than the bricks and mortar almost, you know, mm. community was central. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it is much more, more important. important, yes. I mean, it is much more important, mm. yes. I wondered if you'd like, Hilary, to mention mistakes that we did make, like the automatic doors that we then had to come yes. back on. Yes, it, it, <laughs> we, we wanted a building. I mean, we wanted a modern building for a start. We wanted a building with big windows. And um, we got this beautiful building with, you know, really large glass doors, which were too heavy for us to open. <laughs> so um, we, we've actually automated, since we moved in, we've automated all the doors so that, um, you know, you can, I mean, we could open them, but it just was a bit of a struggle. And when you had shopping, it was it was difficult. Uh, it has made life a lot easier. And, and also for anybody who comes in and does things like the gardener, he can get through the doors easily because he just presses a button and pushes his big lawnmower through. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that was something that uh, people thinking about this sort of housing uh, is very important to th- if we had thought about it uh, before we moved in, if we had insisted, even if it was going to be an extra cost, that we had to have automated doors, it would have cost less than it did after we moved in. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So those yeah. sort of things, yeah. uh, you know, you learn by by making mistakes, uh, but you can learn from other people's mistakes. And we are very keen yeah. that people should learn yeah. from, for yeah. instance, you know. Yeah. We've got... Um, flat flushes on the toilets which you have to push with your fingers well you know it's fine for me I'm quite I'm quite strong but if you arthritic thumbs and fingers they're really difficult so it is it, it was interesting actually uh, the things that we missed and um, you know didn't think about before we moved in partly because we had no experience of them we had about four workshops with the architects because Paula Thompson Edwards are very keen on working with their their clients and um, they arranged these workshops for us where we the first one we looked at the site and uh, we were divided into three groups each with an architect and we looked at a plan for the site and then we had cut out building shapes that we then placed on the plan and the three groups came up with a different arrangement which were all actually very similar (laughs) in the end. Um, And the architects went away and worked on that, then came back to us with the three shapes. And we we had another workshop in which we looked at those and decided on the one that was was best. And then it was how do you arrange the flats within that? Um, And then we had uh, another workshop, which I think was about um, fittings and... Um, things like the arrangements inside the flats. So, uh, I mean, they were marvellous. We we worked um, with them and I think they enjoyed it and we certainly enjoyed it. And it, it means we feel we own the building because we were part of that whole uh, way of, way of um, designing it. 
And each flat is different, isn't it? Each flat. Each yeah. flat is different. Although, you know, there are 25 flats here uh, and there are one, two or three bedrooms. There are only three, three bedroom ones. Most of them are two bedrooms. Some are one bedroom. Um, each one is different. And it's always a joy to come into somebody else's mm. flat and see the difference and just say, oh, you know, yeah. you've done this yeah. and I've done that and yeah. that color and this color because we chose our own color schemes as well. Um and our own floor coverings and um, even our own door handles, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so that each flat really is very individual and that that's fun. Brilliant. And you're, you're all kind of invested in the project as a collective, but also individual space as well. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned kind of sharing learning and, and, and learning from mistakes. And is there anything that you kind of wish you'd known that you that you think our listeners or anyone who's aspiring to live in co-housing might be helpful for their journey? I suppose I would say that it brings enormous rewards, more than maybe you even thought it would, and more work from you than you even thought it would. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, we have um, quite a large number of task groups who meet regularly and, um, you know, we have finance, we have a buildings team, we look after maintenance because a building like this, we, you know, none of us had ever run a large building and we have a lift. So the lift has to be serviced every few months. Um, we have to have a fire risk assessment every so often. Um, we actually um, have a, a team of, that um, tests the fire alarms once a week which saves us getting someone else in to do it. So that's, that saves us money. But once a week, you have to test all the fire alarms and then record, record it. Um, we have to have all the gutters cleaned regularly. Uh, what else do we do? We have to deal with pigeons. Deal with pigeons oh. and foxes. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, yes. We, we, we welcome light wildlife, <laughs> but not pigeons and foxes. <laughs> we do. We like pigeons and foxes, oh. but <laughs> I don't like the foxes digging all my beans up. <laughs> or the pigeons oh. messing all the windowsills. Yes, I mean, you know, there's there's communal, uh, you know, that we have common space and a guest room. So all the maintenance, you know, in of those two areas go to the um to the buildings team. We have a laundry. Uh, nobody has to have their own washing machine. We do have washing machines and dryers and a very nice drying area actually that was where the council insisted that we had something like 30 bike stands, um, which, um, as there's only two people who ride bikes, was a little excessive. Uh, so, But it's made a perfect undercover drying area for all the washing. Something we'd never have thought of is an un- undercover drying area. And all the task groups are kind of brought together by a management committee which is voted for once a year, uh, which again, in turn, reports to a communal business meeting, a community business meeting, which happens like it did before we moved in, which happens once a month, still the second Saturday. And that is still the the absolute basis of co-housing, where the decisions are made, where everybody contributes, where it operates by consensus, which is 
very, very wearing sometimes, takes a long time to get to a decision. But when a decision is made, it is everyone's decision. Everybody has participated. And we do have fun, don't we? Mm, we we have fun. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, watched, I watched a video on your fantastic website. love the website. And it looked like you have some great activities and lots of things going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, when when we didn't have the pandemic, uh, from the day we moved in, we had a weekly communal meal uh, on a Friday or a Sunday and took it in turns to cook, took it in turns to wash up afterwards. Um, that was all. We do have two, two dishwashers, though. We do have two dishwashers, yeah. <laughs> Essential. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have a, a big, lovely communal kitchen. Um, it's 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 a domestic kitchen though. It's interesting because one co-housing group who gave us advice said, "Don't put a domestic kitchen in. Get a um, you know a um, professional one." Um, but we had to have also you had to meet all sorts of regulations if you had a professional one. So, in fact, we do have two domestic ovens, two two domestic hobs. Uh, and we have managed with that, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Quite right. well. Mm-hmm. I mean, people sometimes cook things in their flats as well. You know, when all the people who are here for Christmas uh, have Christmas dinner together and um, their families come as well or friends. And uh, in that case, we do need more ovens and there's there's things being cooked all over the community <laughs> and then taken to, to the dinner. And the common house is used for all kinds of things like films. We show films mm-hmm. once a week usually um, for meetings of all kinds, um, for parties, um, what play else? readings, play readings, <laughs> yeah. all sorts of things that go yeah. on. Uh, yes. It's a it's a it's a nice common house. There's lots uh, of different exercise, yeah. groups. exercise groups of various kinds. Yes, yoga and or just yeah. meeting to have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Quite often people just sit there or they, there are books you can sit and read. Uh, you know, it, it's just a social area outside of your own flat. It's a hub where, mm. you know, things happen. Yeah. And we deliberately sighted it by the front door. So you go past it when you come in. So, in fact, you can be enticed in. It can sometimes take quite a while to get to my front door um, <laughs> because I get enticed into something and end up having coffee and a conversation. That's, that social side must be so brilliant, you know, always having someone to talk to. and If you want to. If you want if to, you, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and occasionally people put a sign on their door, you know, today don't disturb me because I'm, I'm you know, doing something like uh, FaceTiming Australia. Mm. And so I don't want a visitor. <laughs> and another time you'll see a notice on a door that's been closed all day and the blind down, but there's a notice saying, I, I am well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So that yes. <laughs> nobody need worry about you, you know? Yes, we did invent a little uh, card scheme, didn't we, for somebody who, yeah. who put in every day, you know, okay, visit now, don't visit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. when they weren't well and were getting rather too many visitors. <laughs> because it can be a bit overwhelming if you're not well. Suddenly, you know, everybody will arrive with food or help. Or... And, of course, we have fun in the garden, too. We have, mm. we have a very big garden. Um, it, it is absolutely beautiful. 
There are about uh, three or four women here who are expert gardeners, including Hillary. And um, they've made, a, it's, it's just lovely. It is really, really lovely. Um, and the rest of us kind of do what we can a bit here and a bit there, you know, but the, the garden group really have, it's just gorgeous. <laughs> and so lots of things go on in the garden. Um, birthday parties, unless it's pouring with rain. Um, and just, you know, I don't know, we'll have a picnic or we'll do this or that, but it's, the, the garden is a, the most lovely communal space. And very useful during COVID. Oh, during COVID. I mean, because we could meet outside um, and have a chat or, or have a meeting outside. Better than Zoom, really. Yeah, um, definitely. And we, we actually have a garden house as well. In, in We have two parts of the garden. We have, a, we have our big, lovely, uh, ornamental garden with a lawn and beautiful flowers. And then it goes through into, I suppose, what you would call a kitchen garden. It's a, we call it the orchard, actually, because it has fruit trees. But it, we grow, that's where we grow vegetables, uh, which you know, we share. Um, but that has a little house in it too, a garden house with a, a tap and a loo and um, uh, yeah, where we can make fantastic. tea and coffee and get out of the rain. Yes, yes and it's architect design. <laughs> it's architect design. And it has a new little pond in front of it. And that's been a haven during the pandemic yeah. because we've been able to see our bubbles our closest friends in the garden sit outside the little garden house, look at the pond, and it was, it's been wonderful. Mm. During the pandemic, we haven't had one single case of coronavirus. We've kept ourselves safe. We've sanitized twice a day. Mm. Um, we've kept to the rules. We haven't you know, had meetings except on Zoom or in the garden. And we're, we've kept ourselves safe. But, but not been isolated. Not been isolated. In the way we would have been mm. if we'd have been in our own, you know, individual flats or houses where we lived before. Um, because, for instance, most of my friends lived a long way away from me. And where I was before, I only had one friend who lived next door. So it would have been a very different experience. Whereas here, I felt I could carry on with my life fairly normally, apart from not being able to get too close to people and not being able to meet indoors. Anything that you think is important, bits of advice for any, anyone who might be aspiring to live in co-housing or thinking about that as an option for later life? Well, from the point of view of the structure of the community rather than the building, mm. I would say at every point, make sure you're not going to be done unto, that you're going to be yeah. doing the doing. Yeah. Yes, very important. And that, you know, if you want to remain active and to be in control of your life, then this is a very good way of doing it. But if you really don't want to participate and work basically for your community, then it's, it's not a way of life for you. So you have to, as Heidi said earlier, that it is work, it, you do have to participate and work for the community and make it happen. It doesn't happen automatically.
Uh, there can be days when you can meet somebody and say, oh, how are you? And they say, I've had enough. I've been ouching all day. <laughs> yes, we do. We do have to get a life balance. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. From... <laughs> Unless the desire for a different way of life and an independent way of life, which is yet communal. And it's a, quite a strange concept. Unless that of itself appeals to you, I, I don't think I would ever suggest to somebody, well, have you ever thought of co-housing? Um, because unless you somehow come to it through your own personal need, development, etc., and, and I don't mean that you've got to have a philosophy or God knows what. I mean... You can do what I did, which was pick up a leaflet in the library about it. And I read it and I thought, oh, this is what I've always been looking for. And how can people working across adult social care um, best offer support or advice to anyone who might have aspirations to live in co-housing? I think it is to tell them that it isn't just that you move in and are looked after. That, that you it is a participatory thing, as Heidi was saying, yeah. But, I mean, you know, it keeps you going. It, I mean, they say people in co-housing um, don't die. Uh, <laughs> you certainly don't die of loneliness anyway. And, and in, a, in a kind of ideal world, what, what might um, housing options look like in later life and what needs to change to make this happen? Gov governments need to put money into co-housing groups because it it's still very difficult i think to actually get 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 land and build mm -hmm. um and it it if it is a way of saving money actually in the end but it it isn't it's not supported in the way it is in countries like germany and uh, denmark mm -hmm. oh and 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 this a lot of the scandinavian countries uh, here it's a sort of unknown i mean i had friends who went said to me oh you're mad you'll all fall out you won't you won't get on um you know it'll be dreadful and now they're quite envious actually in many ways <laughs> you know, it's like they phone me up and say oh no i can't do that day because i'm doing this and then i can't do that no no um, maybe next week oh maybe the week after <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's like you know i'm so busy fantastic and then um, is there anything else important that you'd like to share with us? Well, I suppose because we've stressed hard work, and it is hard work, but you're always doing it with somebody. That's another thing. Mm. You're not struggling on your own. You're no. doing it with somebody. No. There are, you know, there, there is the building group. There's the maintenance group. There's the finance group. You know, if, if we haven't got enough money for something, you're not banging your head against the wall and wondering what to do there are there is a group a group of people dealing with everything but there's always somebody to do things or you know if i can't get out and get something someone will go for me yeah there's always somebody who can do something that i can't or that i need some help with mm -hmm. You know, if, um, so if my computer goes down, there's someone here who knows a bit more about it than I do and can help me. So it's it's great because it is that sharing. But we do need a plumber. 
<laughs> Call out for a plumber. Yeah. Yes, female plumber over 50, please. We wouldn't mind a carpenter. Yeah, carpenter, electrician might be useful. Brilliant. Well, it's been really informative and inspiring to speak to you both. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for your time and sharing your insights and experience with us. It's been fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. you. It was nice to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter? Tweet us at ResearchIP.